0: Okay, folks, we're going to make a start. If you've got that little handout on your phone, do grab it. Uh, the way these three seminars uh, will work is uh, we're thinking about how uh, Scripture helps us uh, to understand ourselves so that we can better um, uh, help the people that God has put in our lives, so the person or the people that you have sat beside, you're gonna be doing a lot of talking to them, so whether you made a good choice or a bad choice, <laughs> live with, don't move now, don't, you'll be seen. Uh, the two things that you need are the QR code with the handout, um, please take this number down, stick my name in your contacts, please don't send me rude pictures, okay? This is for questions, Uh, And that will be there throughout the week. Um, So the handouts that you have will have um, ideas and stories in them more than what we'll cover here. So if you're reading them throughout these few days and you've got a question, stick it in the WhatsApp. And in these sessions, we will draw some of those uh, and chat about them and discuss them. Uh, So if you've got your uh, QR-coded handouts there, open it up to... Uh, the start, page 3. And let me read this verse from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17, and then I'll pray for us. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are... A tender father to us, you're also the mighty warrior that saves us. Father, like a a true dad, you take delight in us. You rejoice over us with singing. And Father, as we gather here uh, this morning, help us to see ourselves through your word, to see ourselves through your eyes. Lord, that you might Equip us and build us up to be a blessing to those that you put around us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so you'll see, you'll see in your little handouts, uh, there's a few folk that we're looking at. Uh, Brennan, uh, Maeve, Sinead, and Tiernan. Sinead is 15, Tiernan is 11. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get to know this family over the next few days. And, and we're getting a window into just how they're doing And what we want to do is we want to take God's word to see um, how do we understand so that we can help. Uh, So this morning is going to be mostly about understanding, and then the next two seminars are, okay, so what do we do do with this? How do we actually help uh, these people grow uh, in their faith in Jesus Christ? So uh, if you've got page three open, Tuesday night, um, you've got the family. Uh, I'm going to ask Tanya to come up uh, and read. Once Tanya has read, the people beside you, in twos or threes or fours or whatever you want, uh, I want you to discuss what is going on with this family. So I've put, uh, we'll put some questions on the screen there, where you just ask, what is the person feeling? Uh, what has set off those feelings? And how do those emotions affect how they relate to other people? So listen carefully to the story, And then afterwards, have a discussion uh, about how each of these four are doing. Thanks, Tanya.
1: Okay. So, Tuesday night. Tiernan is normally a very upbeat child. But today, when he gets home from national school, Maeve, his mum, notices that he looks a bit subdued. They sit together, and she asks how his day was. He says it was pretty good, which it was. Teacher allowed him to play with Lego during, during their lunch break, and Tiernan loved that. Maeve asks him if something is wrong. Tiernan says it's not there's not at least he doesn't think so everything went well today he says maybe he is just tired he quietly gets on with starting his homework before evening meal Sinead comes home from secondary school and goes straight up to her room over the last year she has become more withdrawn at home Maeve takes a break from cooking the dinner to pop up and ask Sinead how her day was she is scroll, scrolling through her social media accounts, and without taking her eyes off the phone, she tells her mom that everything is fine. She'll be down for dinner when it's ready. Brennan gets home from work and helps Maeve get the meal ready. He's been stressed at work and feels nothing he does is good enough for his boss. He feels that he gets criticised for everything if it isn't perfect. But now that he is home, he tries to flick, off, flick the work switch off and focus on his family. He asks Maeve how she's doing. Maeve unloads all her worries. She is worried about Tiernan. He doesn't seem himself. She's worried about Sinead. She doesn't seem herself. Maeve is concerned that as a family they're spending too much money. She is upset that she's recently put a lot of weight on. She's tried lots of diets. They work well for a while until she hits breaking point. Um, Until she hits breaking point and spends an evening eating junk. She has been working for a local business for the last few years and has applied for a new position within the firm. But she feels sure that better candidates will apply or that she will not, she will not, have, enough, she will not have thought about the questions they will ask or that she will forget the answers she had prepared. She just knows it's going to be a disaster. Brennan assures her that Tiernan is fine, Sinead is fine, Maeve's weight is fine and the interview will go fine. He jokingly reassures her that she needs to remember that not everything is doomed. Sometimes things actually do work out okay. He does say that she is a bit, worried about, a bit worried about the finances. Maeve goes through phases of spending lots of money, and she is in one of those seasons. She goes shopping and buys expensive items, and sometimes, and sometimes when she gets home, they never even make it out of the shopping bag. When Maeve tries to rationalise her spending... Brennan becomes quickly irritated. He tells Maeve that if she spent less time worrying about things and a bit more time trying to fix them, there wouldn't be as much to worry about. Maeve goes quiet and worries that her worrying is damaging the family. They all sit down together for the the evening meal. At the dinner table, Sinead's phone is binging with notifications and she's glued to it. Brennan snaps at her um, and tells her that there's no no place for phone at the table. He takes it off her, telling her that she won't get it back until morning. She is annoyed. She leaves the table immediately and goes to her room and closes the door. She picks up a good book and spends the rest of the night reading. She used to read all the time before she got a phone. The stories used to suck her in. She would lose herself in the world of a book. She is annoyed about the phone, but once again, she allows herself to join in the book's adventure. Brennan, Maeve, and Tiernan are still at the table, but Tiernan is struggling to finish his food. He hasn't been chatting at the table like he normally does, Brennan asks him if everything's all right. Tiernan says that it is. His tummy is just a bit sore. He asks, can he leave his dinner and just go to the living room and watch a movie? And that's grand. Maeve and Brennan are left alone. And Maeve says that maybe she needs to take Tiernan to the doctor in case something is wrong. Brennan smiles and says that sometimes a sore tummy is just a sore tummy. Tiernan will be fine. Maeve stops talking about it, but doesn't stop thinking about it. She asks Brennan how work, how work has been going. Brennan's face shows visible visible frustration. He says that people at work ruin his days. He is not going to let them ruin his evenings by talking about it. He leaves the table and goes to the home office to do some work. He turns the laptop on and is trying to convince himself to open the work emails rather than click on a porn website. He has been secretly battling a porn addiction for the last couple of years, but he often loses the battle during times of stress. Later in the evening, Sinead has gone to bed without saying goodnight. Tiernan finishes the film and is feeling much better. Brennan and Maeve go to bed. Brennan just wants to sleep, but Maeve wants to talk about whether Tiernan and Sinead are okay. Brennan snaps at her, and that is the time. Brennan snaps at her that it is time to stop spinning in this whirlwind of worry. Maeve stops talking and lies awake for hours in a fog of anxiety, worrying about everything and nothing at the same time. There is just a cloud of uncertainty that feels impossible to ever cut through. Brennan gets up at 5 a.m. the next morning and goes to spin class. It is an intense 45 minutes of cycling where the pain is so extreme that he isn't able to think about the stress of work.
0: Whew, you're exhausted. Um, what I'd love you to do is this uh, side, if you take uh, the, the girls, so Maeve and Sinead, the mum and the daughter, uh, if you guys take the fellas, so Brennan and Tiernan, Uh, And I just want you to talk with the person beside you of what is going on. So those questions of uh, what are they each uh, feeling? What have set those feelings off? And how are those feelings affecting the people around them? So just take five minutes. Uh, You guys talk about the fellas. Uh, You guys talk about... No, other way around. You talk about the ladies. You talk about the fellas. Five minutes, tear away. I'd love you to pause just for a wee second. You're going to come back to to those guys you're talking about in a second. Um, Before we do, there there are two verses that I would love from Proverbs to help us think through even how to uh, approach this. Um, There's a great proverb, uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5, that it says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight, draws them out. Uh, I I, I want you to to get that picture of, you imagine if you're just standing in a wee foot of of water, you can see everything that's happening. You, You stand out on a massive lake or an ocean, you haven't got a clue all the activity that is happening beneath the surface of the water. And it says the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters. But it's not a total mystery. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. That we are actually supposed to peer into the deep waters of our heart to see what is going on. Um, there's another lovely proverb. It's uh, uh, 27, chapter 27, verse, verse 19. And it says, as water reflects the face, so one's life Reflects the heart. Do you get that? As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. That, that what is going on in here will make its way out into our lives. Our lives are a reflection of, of what's going on in here. So, as, as you're reading um, Brennan and Maeve and Sinead and Tiernan, there's a few things that I, wanna, I want you to get that as you see their behavior and what's going on, it's not, it's not random. We're not random creatures. Actually, the life that we live is a reflection of what's going on in here, but it's not always obvious what the connection is. It's not always obvious what is going on in our hearts. So the, 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 two, the two folk that you were talking about, Um, In a second, I want you to keep talking about them, um, but this time Tanya is going to give you a little bit of background into how each of them arrived at Tuesday night. So if you're in the handout, turn to page five, and this is going to give you a little bit of background on all four of these characters. And then I want you to go back in in your groups and see, does that shed any light onto what's going on with each of them? So page five.
1: Okay. So Tiernan had a positive day at school today, but yesterday wasn't good. He got up late and ended up missing the bus, which meant that Maeve had to drive him to school, which made her late for work. He could see the stress he had caused his mum. Then, when he got to school, he realised he'd forgotten his homework, the second time this week. Teacher didn't shout at him, but he could see the irritation in her eyes. At lunchtime, he went out to play soccer and missed scoring what looked like a really easy goal, Everyone laughed at him, and one of the bigger boys shouted out that Tiernan was useless. Day, he played Lego at lunch, and tomorrow all his friends would be back playing soccer. Sinead. Twelve months ago, Sinead's best friend was dating a lad who wasn't particularly loyal. The lad had flirted with Sinead, and they developed a romantic relationship. Her best friend found out what was happening and was livid. She told Sinead that she was a worthless friend Um, and as a person and then ghosted Sinead cutting off all contact both in person and online the whole friendship group distanced themselves from Sinead she felt too awkward and embarrassed to tell her parents she was scared they would notice her friends had gone and they would ask her why so she tried to keep her school and home life more separate she continued to date the lad and when he started cheating on her as well she pretended not to know he eventually broke up with her Sinead is now dating another guy who also treats her terribly. Over the last year, her fashion sense has changed dramatically. Her girly outfits have been replaced by darker, more revealing clothes. She has dyed her hair various colours and her fringe hangs over her eyes. Over the last three months, she has started to secretly self harm. Her new wardrobe choices have allowed her to hide her wounds by wearing long sleeves. Maeve. While Maeve's mother was pregnant with Maeve, she lost both of her parents in a car accident. Maeve's mother was close to both her parents and was devastated by the loss. They were such a support to her and without them, she felt totally ill-equipped to be a parent herself. She was an anxious mother, always trying to protect Maeve from getting hurt. When Maeve was seven, she went round to a cousin's birthday party where they had a huge bouncy castle. Maeve went to get on, but her mum wouldn't allow it. She told Maeve that she was not able to do it and that she would get hurt if she tried. The idea often the idea was often repeated to Maeve throughout her life. To Maeve, the world feels like a dangerous and a dangerous and unpredictable place, a place that she is not equipped to navigate. Maeve has never learned how to properly assess a situation. As a child, she was always told that the world was too big and too dangerous. She was too small, too weak, and too fragile to cope, so she needed to be protected. When Maeve faces a future, it is a cloud of uncertainty. Everything feels like a risk. Everything seems to be destined for disaster. Brennan. Brennan's father had a hard life. He always struggled to keep a job or provide for his family. He felt like no one respected him and had grown bitter. That bitterness was aimed at Brennan. His father would belittle Brennan at every chance he got. He would tell Brennan that he was the stupid one, the one who would amount to nothing in life. Brennan's father projected all of his own self-hate onto his son. Brennan hated his father for this and couldn't wait to leave home. He couldn't wait to get a job to prove him wrong. He would often say to himself that he was going to become a success and go back and show his father who the real loser was. Brennan was angry with his father. He didn't want to get revenge on him by being a success, but deep down he also wanted to become a success because he feared his father was right. Maybe he would amount to nothing. Even deeper down, he wanted to be a success to make his father proud. He hated his father and longed for his approval. Sorry, he both hated his father and longed for his approval. Anger marked much of Brennan's life. He is a lovely driven lad, but scratch the surface and his irritation, frustration and bitterness could easily come to the surface. He needed success so badly that he was painfully unequipped to deal with criticism Any time his work was deemed less than perfect, subconsciously it was like his father was still judging him. Every challenge is interpreted as evidence that he is useless. Everyone who is successful is seen as a competitor. When he was discouraged at work, he sought acceptance on pornography websites. There he got a counterfeit taste of being seen and accepted.
0: As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. What I'd love you to do is uh, split again the same way. The two people that you were talking about, keep talking about them, uh, but this time with some of that background in place, try and work out what is going on with these people. What are they feeling? Why are they feeling it? How is it affecting? their lives. Tear away. Take five minutes, and then we'll come back together. If we want to pull that together, maybe the next slide. Um, oh, like, I hope you can see that that normal Tuesday night, like, it's, it's, it's so common. We've all been there. And yet that, that normal Tuesday night has had a long time building up hasn't it? And and things that seem so small and mundane and normal are actually, as water reflects the face, so one's heart, so one's life reflects their heart. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. Um, There's a a lovely verse in, in Philippians, And Paul is is praying for the Christians, it's Philippians chapter one, verse nine. I I love it because he prays this prayer. Uh, He says, and this is my prayer for you, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Now I love that because he wants them to grow and flourish in love, but he says, your love, has gotta be married to wisdom. Do you know what I mean? Soon we're going to go for lunch, right? I hope those lunch people love us. I hope they can cook. Do you know what I mean? It'd be great if they have love, but I also want them to know how to cook. And if they don't know how to cook, they're not, they're not going to be able to take care of us very well. And actually love, if you're, a, if you're a chef, needs to be married to the skill of cooking. If we're going to look after each other, We've got to love, we've got to have a heart that, that loves God and, and loves people, but we've also got to have wisdom to know how to do it. Um, and so my, my hope and my prayers as we do this, the first thing is, I hope you come away from these three days knowing yourself just a wee bit better. I used to be a math teacher. Do you know what I worked out? I can't teach kids in a math class what I don't know. You with me? You imagine me trying to teach trigonometry and I haven't figured out how it works. It wouldn't, it wouldn't go so well. Um, we were looking this morning uh, uh, with, with David and elders. Where do you look to see if elders are equipped? How do they lead their family? If they can't lead their family, how are they going to lead the people of, of, of God? And it's, it's the same for us of if we are going to help people, we need to understand ourselves. And if we can understand ourselves, we can, we can help ourselves, we can help the, the family that we're in, and we might stand a chance of helping those in our wider circles. Uh, and so my prayer for us as we're doing this is that we would get a taste of that love and that wisdom uh, married together. Uh, now, you'll see the, the five pictures on the screen. Today is just about understanding what's happening with these four people. Tomorrow, next day, we'll get on to how do we help them. This is just understanding what is going on with these uh, four people. Now, when we get hurt and we live in a broken world and you're gonna get hurt, when we get hurt, it sets off a little path. And, And the first thing that happens is when we get hurt, Often there is a very strong emotional reaction to it, and it can be it can be shame, it can be anger, it can be sadness, it can be fear. Those are four big ones, but there's there's a host of other ones. Now you see those four things: uh, anger, sadness, guilt, fear. Are they good or are they bad? It's good, isn't it? Do you know do you know when I when I ask kids that question? They're always like, oh, they're bad, they're terrible. Okay, okay, let's run with this then. Imagine someone comes in with a hatchet and cuts all your heads off. Should I be sad or should I rise above it and be unmoved by it? Should I be a wee bit angry with them or should I say, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. You know, these emotions, do you remember when, when my Jesus and your Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane going to the cross? He was scared, wasn't he? In anguish, the sweat, like drops of blood came out. Do you remember at the graveside of his friend, Lazarus, the little tiny verse? Jesus wept. When he came to Jerusalem and and saw how stubborn they are, Jesus wept. Do you remember when the religious leaders just wouldn't listen to his message of forgiveness? He was angry with them. Do you remember when we went in to the temple and he said, You have turned my father's house of prayer into a What did he do? Did he rise above it? Or did he get a whip and turn the tables up and say, Get out? You know in Ephesians, where Paul is, 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 is talking to the Christians and he's saying, In your anger, do not sin. He doesn't say, Don't be angry. In your anger, do not sin. Now, Jesus never felt guilty because he's perfect, but you remember King David when he did the whole thing with Bathsheba and Nathan comes to him and, 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 and he confesses his sins and then he writes the Psalms to say, the, the guilt was like a weight crushing my bones until he confesses his sin and come before God. So is guilt a good thing or a bad thing? Is anger a good thing or a bad thing? Is sadness a good thing or a bad thing? Is fear a good thing or a bad thing? These are, these are gifts from God that if we don't handle them right, will destroy us, but they are gifts from God. Um, and uh, the best way I can describe this, when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm talking to kids about this, I'll say, you see, um, uh, uh, we, we did the fire uh, announcement. Imagine there's fire alarms in here, right? And, and the curtains are on fire. You hear that noise? It's not going to be pleasant, isn't it? We're glad it's there because it's saying there's something wrong. Get out, okay? Do you know what the only problem is? See, if you're in your kitchen at home and you, you, you keep the toast in a little bit too long, a wee bit of smoke comes up, what happens? It makes the same noise. It's the same noise. It, it's going off. And, and inside us are like those fire alarms. Those, the, the angry, the, the guilty, the, the, the scared, the sad, saying that something is wrong. They don't feel good, but they're gifts from God. But there's a whole pile of things that happen to us and it's just a bit of smoke and toast. And the fire alarms go off all the same and it is unbearable. You ever been stuck in a room where the fire alarm's going off? What do you want to do? i either I get out or smash it off the wall because it's unbearable. And God has given these amazing fire alarms. But we've got to calibrate them. We've got to train them. We've got to tell them, actually, mate, it's just toast. And there's all sorts of ways to do to, that. To, if, you, if you've ever seen kids in an, in an angry, t- or in a scared tantrum. Actually, do you know the tea towel dance that you do when the, when the fire alarm's going off in the kitchen? You ever done the tea towel dance where you're trying to wave it? Well, there's an emotional tea towel dance where, where you see a kid and he's losing. Actually, do, do you remember whenever your mother taught you to count to 10 and just to breathe and calm your body down? Because we are embodied creatures made in the image of God precious and he's given us these bodies, and they've got all sorts of fire alarms going on, but we've got to learn to do the tea towel dance. We've got to learn sometimes to bring it down. So on here, we're going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. I'm sure you have been hurt. It sets off all sorts of emotions. But then something happens. We start to build a story around it about ourselves, about this world, about God, about our place in this world. We start to tell ourselves a story about who we are and our place in this world. And I can guarantee you that story is neither kind nor gracious. But we will tell ourselves a story about who we are, about what God is like, and our place in this world, and it will be toxic. Because sin will get in there, and it will take the narrative And it will create a story that will poison our soul. And then that will create certain patterns in our life in the way that we relate to people, in the way that we talk to people, uh, in in, in our intimate relationships, in our public relationships. And and those feelings and that story will start to create patterns in our lives. And then do you know what happens? Um, We're embodied creatures, right? You imagine, okay, Fire alarms going off inside, angry and sad and scared. Then you imagine a, a, a story going on inside, telling you a story that is horrible and nasty about yourself. And, 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 and then imagine that starts to have an impact on your body with, with sore stomachs and sore heads and migraines and struggles to breathe. That's a lot of noise inside, isn't it? Emotional fire alarms going off internal stories telling you horrible poisonous narratives, your body that is screaming out in stress, it is unbearable. So do you know what we do? We find sanctuaries. We try and find somewhere where it's quiet. So uh, give us us a a click there, uh, Marty. Maybe another one we find little coping mechanisms. Now, if you're there in the handout, flick to to page 11, because there's all sorts of coping mechanisms that we use. Now, I want you to imagine this room, okay, (laughs) is you. And, And the fire alarms are going off, angry, sad, whatever it is, they're going off. Can you feel the pain in your ear? right? Now imagine I'm standing up here with a microphone telling you a story about just how rubbish and pathetic and terrible you are. Fire alarms are screaming, I'm on the mic saying how pathetic and rubbish and and terrible you are, and then the building is physically shaking, and there's rocks falling on your head and hurting you. Lovely environment, isn't it? Would you not give your right arm for a sanctuary? Just some quiet, in a very noisy soul, wouldn't you? I bet you, you have found sanctuaries. Places to quieten the noise. But I wonder, do you know that that's what they are? So, so have, have, have a look at page 11. And imagine all that noise going off, fire alarm going off. I'm sitting here telling you what a rubbish, pathetic piece of nastiness you are. The building is falling and hitting you on the head. How do you deal with it? There's a few different ways to deal with it. One is, is, is to play something lighter. Play something, play something nice over the noise. And so you can go for something like pleasure. Do you want like a gorgeous packet of kettle chips? Just a taste on the tongue, just a bit of peace for a moment. It just tastes nice. Or a chocolate brownie, whatever your vice is. Um, Or it could be sex, or it could be porn, or it could be gambling, or it could be shopping. Anything that just gives you a, a moment of happiness in the midst of the noise. Where the pleasure, just for that moment, screams louder than the noise inside. But actually, there's another way to do that. Not with pleasure, but with pain. And you can, you can do that by, actually, you ever been to, to boot camp where you've got 45 minutes of such pain in your body that you can't think of anything else? You go to the boot camp and you're doing your press-ups and your push-ups, and the pain is so intense that you forget about all the mess in here. It's where self-harm comes from. Just for a moment, uh, the pain here is, is so intense that you forget about the, the alarms and the noise and the stories. And the, um, so that's one way to do it. play something louder. Um, you, can, you can try and actually soothe things and with breathing or, or hugging or crying or dancing or playing or, or horse riding or, or petting out. Those are ways actually to soothe things and try and turn the noise down. There's, there's putting your fingers in your ear Just dissociate drugs, numb it out. There's there's trying to just get out of the house, which is the procrastination, the the getting lost on YouTube, the the social media, the getting lost in a good book or or a TV where you just go to a different place for a while. Or there's the the ability just to disengage, to stay away from these areas, to, to avoid anything that might trigger you or set you off. But what I, what I want you to know is if you have lived in this life, you have been hurt. And that hurt will set off emotions. It'll set off a story. It'll hurt in your body. You will find a sanctuary. I wonder what yours is. And even how do you put those things together? Like, is it bad? I mean, is it, is it bad to watch Captain America fight the Winter Soldier when you're stressed? Is it bad to go for a swim in a freezing cold sea that is so intense you forget about your stress? Is it bad to open the bottle of whiskey and down it and for a minute to be gone? Is it bad to get lost on social media? Actually, it's a tough question, isn't it? And, and one of the things I want us to understand is we are embodied creatures. And God has given us a sanctuary we have to remember we are embodied creatures. And so when we're going through the hard times, we have to both figure out how to calm the body and bring healing to the soul. Um, imagine on the way here, you were, you, you, uh, you were in a car accident, right? And I happened to come up beside you. And you know, you're all right, but you're a quivering mess. Imagine if I said to you, hey, come on over to my car, We'll open up Ephesians 3. We'll have a good old prayer time and Bible study. And you're shaking like a leaf. Would I do that? Or would I say, hang on, listen. Let's get you a cup of tea. Open Open up your collar. Let's get you breathing. Let's get you calmed down. You're probably cold. Let's put a blanket around you. Let's get you settled. And then we'll go and pray. And read God's word. And thank God that he brought you through this. We are embodied creatures. There are times where you need to calm the body and heal the soul. And in Scripture, there is one sanctuary where we know what it is to find healing for our soul. Um, There's a a lovely verse, Psalm 52, verse 8, that says, I am like an olive tree in the house of the Lord. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God, trusting in God's unfailing love forever. I am like an olive tree flourishing in the house of God, trusting in God's unfailing love forever. You want to see the olive tree flourish, you put it in good soil. Do you know what the good soil is? God's unfailing love. Do you know when, when, when Paul in Ephesians is praying for the believers and, and he says, my prayer for you is that you would You would get a taste of God's love, that you would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, a love that surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You want to raise resilient kids, do you know how you do it? You make sure they're loved. Okay? I I got three daughters, right? If they grow up thinking I'm disappointed in them, do you know what's going to happen? oh, the first idiot boy that comes along and says, you're pretty. They're going to be cannon fodder, aren't they? I want them to know that they are loved and treasured so that whenever they go out into that big bad world, they are tough and resilient and they can spot the idiot's three fields away. You want to know how God's people are resilient and tough? (sighs) Ah, when they're an olive tree flourishing in the house of God, trusting in his unfailing love. When they get a glimpse of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. If we talk about a sanctuary, it's only one sanctuary. You know, when Jesus says, all you who are weary and burdened, come to me and you will know rest for your soul. That when we're talking about the healing of our soul, we gotta know what it is to come to him, to be treasured by him. Like the prodigal son coming back and he said, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And what does the father say? Shut up and give me a hug. Hasn't he? I and mean, that's a paraphrase, but it's kind of the... We, we gotta know what it is to be a child of God, to flourish. But we also gotta know that we're embodied creatures. You have a car accident. I'm not going to open up Ephesians 3 and Psalm 52 verse 8 and say, don't forget you're loved. I'm going to give you a cup of sweet tea, open your collar, and then we'll do it. That we have to embrace that we are embodied creatures and we have to learn how to calm the body and heal the soul. And so those coping mechanisms, are they good or they bad? Is it bad to watch Iron Man 3 when you're stressed? Is is it bad to to lower the level of that Cabernet Sauvignon when you're stressed? Is is it bad to go gambling when you're stressed? Is it bad to go shopping when you're stressed? Those are hard questions, aren't they? Because some of those coping mechanisms will flat out destroy you. You use alcohol like a coping mechanism, I'm telling you, you're in trouble. You use gambling as as a coping mechanism, you're in trouble. You use porn as a coping mechanism, you're in trouble. but we do have to learn how to calm the body, to learn how to do the, the tea towel dance and calm ourselves, to know how it is to, to soothe as, as an embodied creature of God in a healthy way and not in an unhealthy way. Here's the problem. That's often where people stop. I've got my coping mechanisms. When I'm stressed, I'll watch this. I'll go for a swim here. I'll do my breathing here. And, and that's it Stopped. Well, that's a good way to calm the body, but that will not bring healing to the soul. See Brennan in the story? We could get him calm, but he's got a lot of hurt in here, doesn't he? They all do. And this isn't just about helping them to calm. It is that but it's about bringing healing for the soul as we point them to Jesus and the forgiveness and the delight, the joy, and the rest that there is in him. And we're scratching the surface. We haven't even thought about how to help these people. That's for tomorrow, the next day. Um, It it is half 12. I'm gonna gonna give you some recommendations. If you've got a kid who is uh, uh, ready to get collected, please uh, tear away and, and go get them. I'd love to give us some uh, recommendations uh, while we're here. Give us a, give us a few clicks there. Uh, one more, one more, two more, one more. That's it, yeah. Um, I'm involved with a, a group that's um, biblical counseling. Uh, they, uh, we've been meeting online to do various seminars uh, on ideas of, of shame and, and guilt and anger, those sort of things. Um, Over the next 12 months, we have uh, Ed Welsh who's going to be zooming in with us. It's for folk all across uh, Ireland to join in. Ed Welsh has done a great book, uh, Side by Side. Um, And what we want to be doing over the next 12 months is uh, as churches gather, people can gather as individuals, or sometimes churches get a little group together in their living room. Uh, We'll discuss a little case study, Uh, we'll talk about how scripture helps. uh, And so uh, in the bookstall, there are loads of these. Ed Welsh, side by side, equipped to care. Those Zoom seminars will be on. A couple of other books in the bookstall You Can Change by Tim Chester. Um, Again, great about getting to the heart issues. Um, There's a a slightly bigger book here by Kelly Kaptick. It says, uh, You're only human. It reminds us that we're not just a brain on a stick. We are embodied creatures made in the image of God. So let me throw out those uh, three books. They're in the bookstall, each of them. Uh, do grab a hold of them. And then on the back cover, if you've got your hand out, uh, on the back cover, um, you'll see a little uh, image. Give us another click there, actually. One more. I ah, know, forget about it. It's not there. Um, uh, on the back cover... This is a great little tool to use. Um, And so you'll see uh, the safe, valuable, belong, the the different feelings of fear, sadness, anger, guilt. Um, When I'm doing little Bible studies with kids and adults, I'll ask this question When was the last time, or today, did you feel scared, angry, uh, guilty, or sad? When was it? Was it toast or was the house on fire? When was the last time you felt safe, valuable, or that you belonged with God? Um, And it's a great chance actually for us to learn how to process some of the muck and the mess that is going on in here that it doesn't build into something uh, big. Um, Now, uh, if you go back one on the slide uh, to the... the the phone number. Um, What I would love you to do is start the questions uh, coming in. Um, Stick that number down, stick the name in the contacts. I would love to know your questions. Today is simply about trying to work out what is happening with this family. Um, Tomorrow and the next days, how would we actually help? How does the good news of Jesus actually help on a Tuesday evening. Uh, And my prayer is that it will help us understand ourselves, uh, that we might better help those that God has put in our lives. So let me pray for us as we finish. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. Heavenly Father, you know how each of us have come to this conference. You know the joys that are in our hearts, and you know the burdens that are on our shoulders. You know the laughter we have given and the tears that we have shed. And Father, this conference, I ask that you would speak to each and every one of us, that we might know what it is to have redemption for sin and rest for our souls father help us to get a glimpse just a taste of christ's love for us a love that is high and long and wide and deep and surpasses knowledge that we might be those olive trees flourishing in your house trusting in your unfailing love forever and ever amen